0: Amen. Have you been blessed so far? What an amazing time in God's presence. Amen. Can we put our hands together for Efe for that powerful, <laughs> heartfelt, you know, ministration to us? Uh, we are so blessed uh, in our church uh, with so many gifted, talented, blessed, and anointed people uh, that God has placed within our family to be a blessing to us, which is what... Uh, the body of Christ looks like, Amen. It's a body with many members functioning properly, and I'm proud that we have so many people, uh, you know, stepping up and releasing themselves for God to be used. Amen. I want to welcome everyone again to God's presence. I hope you are blessed. I hope you are excited. I hope you are just uh, anticipating what God has to do uh, to complete this service. He's done so many things already. Uh, and i think he will i believe he will complete what he has started in jesus name amen before i go into the message today we are beginning our countdown to easter all right amen as you know Easter is the most significant uh holiday celebration uh that we have in the christian faith uh it is the celebration of the heart of the matter which is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, so many people have their feelings about Easter, the history where it came from in Rome. But you know what, let's forget about all that. Let's just go to marking. We have an opportunity to emphasize and to mark the beginning of our Christian faith. All right, that's what we have. And we have, and Jesus is not against remembrance. Remember, he tells us to remember him, right? He gives us, He gave us several things as a way of remembrance. Baptism is a remembrance. Holy Communion is a remembrance. So, remembering the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is very, very significant and is important. Uh, so, I want you all to really look forward to that. He's also been uh, documented as the most when, there is, when we record the greatest attendance all over the world to church, more people are tuning. That means God actually does something during Easter. So God moves the heart of the people. God pulls people. So more people go to church during Easter, and more people actually come to Christ during Easter than any other person. Amen. All right. We have some words being given by some of our sisters that God is touching. So they are just giving me some of the prophecies and words, tongues, interpretation that is coming. Uh, One of them says, the power of God is here. In this house, I will be with you. And one of them says, God is here to heal. There is power available. God's presence is here. There are many testimony. I need you to share it. So Father, we thank you for your power, your presence here. And we thank you for healing power that is present here to heal, to set free. And if you're sick, I want you to just hold on to that word. Uh, If you're sick, even if you're watching us from home, we just got some words of prophecy, some tongues and interpretation of tongues during the last worship. So Father, we just release, we believe your word and we declare, let it be unto us. I want you to declare, let it be unto me according to your word. In Jesus' name amen amen so that was a good interruption uh so let me go back to uh, what i was talking about so we're going to be celebrating in different ways i'm going to start a message series today uh to prepare our heart we're going to have easter play a production it's more than just a play it's a production uh part of the Production uh, pre- uh, preparation is what you see on this side. There's going to be an arc that is going to be built here, uh, so that by next Sunday you begin to see that. Uh, the registration for the for attending the play is will start today, and that should be emailed out to everybody who can attend. Don't forget, we can only have about one hundred and fifty people or so, according to the state regulation. So if you want to attend, we're going to have the Easter play twice. One on Thursday evening, and one on Sunday afternoon. So to give at least people an opportunity. Please don't attend the two. (laughs) So so just register for one day so you can give other people the, you know, to be able to watch. I believe it will be streamed, so other people, you can watch it from home. But, you know, I mean, some of these things are better experienced in person. So, uh, you know, so that will be there we will also have Good Friday service. Uh, We'll have a special Holy Communion service. All right, don't worry about that. We've thought about, uh, you know, social distancing and all those things. Uh, We're going to have, you know, pandemic-proof Holy Communion service. (laughs) Amen. All right, so we're going to have that on Friday. You will get more information. I just want you to... Uh, At least to bear that in mind. Amen and amen. I look forward. So, Father, we thank you. We just invite you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence because that is all that matters. You want us to gather and focus around your presence. And we we love your presence. We love your presence. We love your presence. We celebrate your presence. Because your presence is all that matters. When you are present, demons tremble. When you are present, sicknesses, diseases, they go away. When you are present, (laughs) mountains melt. They skip like rams at the presence of the Lord. Red Sea fled at the presence of the Lord. Demons, they run away at your presence. We thank you for your presence. And we celebrate your presence. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So today I'm going to begin a message series uh, titled Behind the Veil. right behind the veil so we all know the veil if you're a believer you know what a veil is uh the veil is you know one of the component of the temple uh uh, and also one of the component of the tabernacle which we are going to talk about uh, uh extensively uh next week all right So we're going to talk about that, but I want to really begin today by establishing the plan of God, you know, what it means from the, you know, from the beginning. We're going to talk about what is the story behind Easter itself, because the story of Easter really started in Genesis, and I want you to open your Bible to the book of Genesis, which we are going to read, all right? right genesis chapter 3 verse 8 is what i will want us to read genesis chapter 3 verse 8 then the man and his wife heard the sound of the lord god as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the heat from the lord god among the trees of the garden now I'm fascinated by this verse simply because of the word in the cool of the day. Because it describes to me the kind of experience that God really wanted to have with man from the beginning. When you walk to to someone at the cool of the day, it shows the dynamics of the relationship, a friendly relationship, an intimate relationship a relationship that is really not as former, right? That is the kind of relationship that God intended to have with man from the beginning. Uh, in Genesis chapter one, we read about the story of creation I know, through chapter two, and we read about the creation of man. And here I see that God really intended the, the, the relationship to be something that is so close, that God will leave his throne and he will step into the abode of man in the garden in the cool of the day to have a conversation. So he tells me intimacy, com- intimate conversation is really at the heart of God's plan. At the center of God's plan has always been to develop an intimate conversation. It was not just to have a former shouting to the Lord, hoping that he hears us kind of a relationship. Now, you know, uh, you know I always laugh when I read First Kings chapter 17, 18, 19. Elijah's uh, challenge with the, with the, you know, with the priest of Baal where they were shouting to their God, right? And Elijah, and Elijah was really making fun of them. He said, why don't you shout louder? Maybe, maybe he went out. Maybe he was sleeping. Maybe your God was sleeping. Maybe if you shout louder, he's going he's to hear, he's going to listen. Or maybe he step out. You know, you know, that is because that is not the kind of our God. That is not the relationship we, uh, we have with God. It is an intimate relationship, and that is at the center of our relationship with God. Now, at the center of the devil's plan has always been to disrupt that relationship you know, at the center of his plan is to make sure your relationship with God is disrupted. Either by attacking your belief system, and I think he wins a lot that way, by messing up with our belief system where we really do not, don't believe and don't understand, all right, the, 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 the place of intimacy with God in our lives. So it can disrupt that, you know, You know, by our belief system, but he started by doing that really using sin. And that is really the definition of sin. Sin separated us from God. So we all know, hopefully many of us are aware, God put placed man in the garden and he told them, you know, he gave them instructions. You know, look, you can eat anything, and that's what I, you know, that's what I, you know, when you look at that instruction, he said you can eat anything you want. Accept this. You know, don't touch this. And the devil came to the woman and he, you know, he said, let's read some of those scriptures. Uh, Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord, from verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden. And I love that. You are free to eat. So it is an instruction about freedom, not about restriction. Did you get that? Sometimes when many of us look at our Christian work, we think it's about restriction. Working with God is about freedom, It's not about restriction. You are free to eat any, all right? So it starts by that, the emphasis is on freedom. Now, obviously, there is caution to protect, right? It's almost like uh, you're going over a bridge. The reason why there is there a guardrail is not to restrict you. Is, that, is it to restrict you? It's to protect you. That's why you have guardrail, right? So within that, you're free to move around or you're in a, in a cruise. The reason why there are guardrail around the cruise, a ship rather, is not to restrict you, is it? is to protect you so within the cruise ship you can be free in fact the reason why we erect guardrail is actually to protect freedom do you understand that the reason why there is guardrail is to protect your freedom you know because you are freer you know i've been on cruise ship i am freer when i see the guardrail if there's no guardrail what happened you're not free Can you imagine you are going over a bridge? I remember when I was growing up, the town I was in, it was the backside of the desert. I grew up, there's a bridge that you must pass through to get to the town. And for many years, that bridge has no guardrail. And we had stories upon stories, whether they were true or not, how cars fell into the river, how people died, you know, guess what? When you are traveling, you are, you know, even if you are not serious with God, you fast three days if you're going. <laughs> right, because, you know, and why? There was no guardrail on the bridge. Now, immediately they put a guardrail. What happened? You, you drive freely, right? You, you know, now they didn't widen the bridge. They just put a guardrail. What happened? You feel better. You are able to drive freely. You are able to, because you know you are protected. Oftentimes, the enemy wants to flip that. They say, oh, the reason why they are God is to restrict you, is to make sure you are not free. That's not true. Hallelujah. So God says you are free to eat from the tree, any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge, of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, let's go to chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did did God really say, you must not eat from any of the tree in the garden? Is, Is that what God said? Did you see the play of words? Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So he's really trying to really play to say, did God really restrict you? It looks like God is not allowing you to enjoy your life. Isn't that what? You know, being a Christian has really robbed you of so many fun, so many things you're not able to do. It looks like you are miserable. And people start saying, that's true. Maybe I am miserable. And you start believing that you are miserable. (laughs) And you are not, you are free. Praise the name of Jesus. And that's, you know, you got to read the scripture very well to see some of these things. Then the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say, you must not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. At least you got that right. You must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent, you must, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he said, you know, God is trying to hide something from you. God is trying to really prevent you from having something. There's something in that tree. Isn't that how it looks like? There's something in that thing that you want to do that will make you freer, that that will make you better, that will advance you. And that is the root of sin you see the root of sin is the desire to exist without god to not need god to be able to do things apart from god look at what he says here you will be like god knowing good and evil that means you won't need to i mean you won't need to depend on god you won't need to hear god you won't need to get instruction from god you will be your own god you'll be able to know good and evil by yourself. And that's really what the enemy introduced into our mind. It is subjective knowledge of truth, all right? Subjective knowledge on truth. So everybody now has their own truth. You know, people say, oh yeah, follow your own truth. No, you don't have a truth. What is your own truth? Your own truth is, is not, there's only one truth truth is objective right and it comes from God praise the name of Jesus but you know why we're able to do that is because of the tree of knowledge of good and evil now we can exist without God that's really what introduced that so sin disrupted our relationship with God that's why Isaiah 59 verse 2 says your iniquity have separated you from God your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear now the result of the fall the result of all this was man was banished from the presence of god genesis chapter 3 tells us and the lord god said the man has now become like one of us knowing good and evil he must not be allowed to reach out his hands and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever so the lord god banished him from the garden of eden to walk the garden, to walk the ground from which he had had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden, cherubim and a flaming sword, a flashing back and forth guard, to guard the way to the tree of life. So man was banished, evicted from the presence of God, an angel was placed there to prevent man from coming back. Now, the old plan of God to have a creation that he can enjoy fellowship with, that he can walk in partnership with, was disrupted by the devil in the Garden of Eden. Now, when, when you look at that, it wasn't just man that lost something in the Garden of Eden. God also lost something. Right? God also. Otherwise, God wouldn't have cared he wouldn't have to put together the plan of redemption, right? God lost his precious possession, possession, which is us, right? Man was supposed to be the most precious, the most important, the most critical, the most strategic creation of God because this is the person that will stand on the earth and control things on my behalf. This is the person that will be in charge. This is the person I can have relationship with, Right? And God lost that. So God also lost something in the Garden of Eden. And that is why God immediately began a long-range plan to bring man back to himself. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, by Genesis chapter 12, God began to work on his plan. Genesis chapter 12, God called a man called Abraham. So he reached out to a man called Abraham. He found him and he said, you know what? I'm going to begin a plan. A plan. It is called the plan of redemption. So the plan of redemption actually started thousands of years before he, Jesus came. When you go to Genesis chapter 12, we're going to read Genesis chapter 12. Uh, we're going to read from verse 1. The Lord, had said, the Lord had said to Abraham, Abraham now, go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Hallelujah. So, God called Abraham, and God decided to make Abraham the father of nations, and that's why we call Abraham the father of faith, because through Abraham, he started his plan of redemption. Praise the name of Jesus. I hope you are following my story. I'm taking you on a journey. It's going to last us three Sundays. Amen. So, if it looks like an incomplete message, it's because I want you to listen again next week, all right, or to come. But... You're going to really, this is going to bless you. Hallelujah. So, so God started a plan and I'm going to walk, I'm going to pick a few verses. So if you go to chapter 22 of Genesis, between 12 and 22, the Bible, you know, documented how, you know, different God's interactions with Abraham and the, the different development of Abraham. Abraham himself had to go through different level of development in his relationship So Abraham didn't just become the father of faith. When you look at Abraham, people say, oh yeah, he was a man of faith. Yeah, he was a man of faith, but he also a man that God walked with him to develop his faith, right? He had so many doubts in his life. He didn't just, he was not just rock solid from the beginning to the end, right? He doubted, he had moments where he was down, he had moments when he was even depressed and he went to God and go, when are you gonna give me this child? And God will reassure him, God will tell him, God will give him visions, God will give him dreams, God will tell him this is going to happen. So that was the journey of his life. In one of those occasions, in Genesis chapter 2, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and you have not withheld your son and your only son, I will surely bless you. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Hallelujah. Now, so God really began to walk through Abraham. And he, he, he began to give him this promise. Now, we later realize that the offspring being mentioned here is Jesus Christ. That's, that's Jesus Christ. It's not just Isaac. Now, in the immediate, it looked like it was Isaac. Yes, it was both Isaac. But ultimately, it was Jesus Christ. He is the seed of Abraham. Praise the name of Jesus. So God here, was starting his plan you know for salvation his plan to bring jesus christ into the world to to redeem us all right was started here you know from god's uh uh, interaction with abraham praise the name of jesus are you are you understanding what i'm talking about is this clear if it's clear say it's clear if it's not clear say Pastor, explain it again. All right, so that's good. <laughs> Amen. All right, so let's, let's, let's look at another, there's another part I want to show you that I think is very, very important. Um, uh, in Genesis chapter 15, let me try and open it. Genesis chapter 15, all right. All right, Genesis 15, I'm going to read another passage there All right. Genesis chapter 15, verse 13. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation. They serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possession. Did you see that? did you see that all those, you know, Joseph going to Egypt, you know, then Isaac, no, not Isaac, sorry, Jacob and his brothers following him and going to Egypt, then children of Israel now spending 400 years. It's actually 430 years. Do you see that God knew that from the beginning? That it wasn't just random. I mean, God even told Abraham, the great-grandfather is he great 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 grandfather of Joseph this that this was going to happen you know so so this you know this is something to really understand there's another verse i like us to read uh, this is Galatians chapter 3 verse 16 hallelujah Galatians chapter 3 verse 15 Galatians chapter 3 let's read verse 16 it says the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to his seeds. You know, Remember when we, we read? We read in Genesis chapter two, uh, 28. It says, through your offspring, not offsprings, all nations on the earth will be blessed. It's through your seed or offspring. You know, you you know, is used interchangeably. So the Bible is saying here the scripture does not say unto seeds, meaning many, but unto your seed, meaning one person. Who is what? Who is who? Christ. (laughs) Hallelujah. So God's plan of salvation to bring Jesus Christ started with Abraham. And he even says here, yeah, look, these are some of the things that will happen. He gave him an idea and gave us an idea. These are some of the things that will happen along the line. So, Abraham obeyed God. Abraham gave back to Isaac. You know, Isaac, you know, inherited the covenants, the promise. Isaac, of course, gave back to Jacob. Uh, Jacob was renamed Israel. That's why we have Israel today. All right? It was a name that was given by an angel. God delivered that name and told him, your name will no longer be called Supplanter, right? It will now be called Israel, the prince of God. So, and Jacob had Gave back to Joseph, and we all know the story of Joseph. Hopefully, if you don't, then you have to read the Bible a lot. You have to read the entire book of Genesis. And I think it's a fascinating, fascinating book to read, by the way. It gives you a foundation and some basic understanding of faith, how this thing all started. It's an amazing book. So, so, J- so Jacob gave back to you know, many sons, and Joseph was the one that God chose. Joseph was sold to Egypt. And eventually, because of that, Jacob and his other children, about 70 of them, eventually relocated to Egypt. And there they became a full fledged nation. By the time they left Egypt, I believe they were over half a million people, about 600,000 people, eventually, 400 and something years later, when they left Egypt. Now, so God when he was going to bring them out of Egypt let's look at some of the things that God said God used Moses by the way Moses was an Israelite you know that you know God preserved and God used Moses to rescue the children of Israel out of Egypt eventually now let's look at some of one thing that God told uh, uh, Moses now the old story of how the children of Israel left Egypt Can be found in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, right? So so you see how these things that they work. So if you really, really want to understand these things, you should read this book. So in Exodus chapter 8, verse 1, you know, let's let's look at one state in a verse there, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me hallelujah i mean i think this is there's a powerful truth here i think sometimes this is what really stopped many people's deliverance you know because the purpose of deliverance is to worship you know that look at that let this is god saying let my people go so they may worship me. You know, some other people, some other translation, so they might serve me. Now, many people want deliverance so they can enjoy themselves. <laughs> many people want deliverance so they can run away from God. They can do anything. Many people even just, they just come to church, get their deliverance and say, you know what? Don't you just go to the hospital when you're sick, when you're at home? You don't stay in the hospital and they just go away. No, church is not a hospital hallelujah no that's not how it works so god way you know god said let my people go so they might worship him so the intention of god is now beginning to say you know what let me begin to reclaim what i lost now i now want a group of people that will dedicate themselves to worship me praise the name of jesus and The whole story goes, you know, I can't spend a lot of time, I mean, all the time to talk about how, you know, Moses eventually was able to rescue, you know, children of Israel, and lead lead the children of Israel, rather, out of Egypt, and they went into the wilderness where they spent 40 years now. From wilderness, we'll be, from the wilderness, we began to see a lot of interaction. We began to see God is moving closer. You see, God sometimes, you know, I, I, I said it was a long-range plan. You see, God, when he wants to do something, sometimes he's not in a hurry. I don't know why, but I always, you know, I'm impatient with God. God can be too slow for me sometimes. You know, I mean, there are some people I just want God to change, and he takes his time to change them, right? There are some people I want God to work at the backside of the head and he takes his time. Now, God just takes his time. Have you felt that way? That God sometimes just takes his time. We can't hurry him up. So, the plan of salvation was so long. You know, he just kept moving closer. In the wilderness, we began to see a better revelation of what God wants. Now, a better revelation was a constant interaction with his people. All right? Now, one of the things that happened once they left Egypt and they were in the wilderness is the Lord began to appear to them regularly. In, in Exodus chapter 13 verse 21, by day the Lord went ahead of them in the pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in the pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by night. So be, the Lord began to really, you know, show himself in a way that he hasn't done for many years before now, before now, there was no revelation of God's presence to a group of people. Once in a while, we hear of maybe Noah. Noah walked with God. I mean, once in a while, we hear, you know, one, you know some people. But we never see, we never saw anything like God really, you know, you know, showing himself, revealing himself to his people in any major way. That never happened until now. So God began to appear to himself now uh, to them we also see that god began to make attempt when you go to exodus chapter 19 exodus chapter 19 this is developing gradually getting better the lord said to moses see i will come to you in a thick cloud so the people may hear when i speak with them with you it's god telling moses now and may i may believe you forever then moses told the lord that the people what the people have said then the Lord said to Moses go to the people today and tomorrow set them apart to be holy have them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day for the third day people will see the Lord come down Mount Sinai God said you know I really want to come down now I give I give them an appearance as a pillar you know but I really want to come down because that's my goal now people didn't want to do this This was too much for them. And this plan didn't really work as God wanted it. You know, then when you go further in chapter 25, and God said, you know what? Let's put a plan together that is better. That is even better. And God said, let's build the tabernacle. Did you see that? God said, let's build the tabernacle. So let's read Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25 from verse 1 the lord said to moses tell the israelites to bring me an offering you are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give these are the offerings you are to receive from them now the first building project in the bible happened here right all right and he said receive an offering these are the offering gold Silver and Bronx, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ramskins, dye red, I mean, ramskin dye red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil, and the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrance incense, and onyx uh, stones and other gems. To be mounted on the effort of the breast piece. Then. Have then make a sanctuary for me. And I will dwell among them. Hallelujah. Did you see that now? And I will dwell among them. Now. This was always God's plan. This was always God's plan. From Genesis. This was always his original plan to dwell among us so we can have relationship. Not to visit, you know, not to visit, you know, not to, not just cities of encounter once in a while, no, to dwell among them. Hallelujah. So God said, you know, let's, let's, let I think it's the right time now. You know, I've, I've really separated them from Egypt, which is sin, right? have really moved them you know let's begin to bring it back and the tabernacle was built next week we're going to really explain the tabernacle well all right by god's grace we'll have the tabernacle built here or by then and uh, we'll be able to explain what are the elements because it's important to understand it and we're going to connect it the following week to how he relates to us today what does he mean for us today You know, because there's a lot of connection between the tabernacle and us, all right? We have the tabernacle, which was really a mobile church, (laughs) like a mobile place for God's presence. So, tabernacle was a mobile, you know, so, so things that can move around. It was a movable place of worship, you know, so where they would set it up, you know, when they really want to experience God, they will set it up and they are able to worship. They are able to enter into in there and encounter God, you know, but there was still a lot of limitation, all right, which we are going to learn next week. There was still a lot of limitation in the tabernacle. You know, Then when the children of Israel eventually got to Canaan, which is the promised land, they built the temple, which is a more permanent, more advanced tabernacle you know so when you hear the word tabernacle temple there are two different words right tabernacle was like a mobile home right the temple it was the fixture it fixed permanent bigger more grandeur right and uh, you know in a, you know so so different way so they, they built the temple eventually but they all have similar component then God did away with temple, and he no longer dwells in the temple made with hands, right? Now he says, Our body is the temple of the living God. Hallelujah. We are now the temple of the living God. Praise the name of Jesus. So the tabernacle was the movable place of worship for the children of Israel. So God met them there. You know, God met with Moses, and, and God revealed his will to them there. That's when God spoke with them. You know, that's when they experienced God. It was the beginning of the restoration of God's presence to man since the fall. You know, it was the beginning, and he and kept getting better from the, from the tabernacle. He went to the temple. From the temple, we now we have Jesus. Who you know, pave access to us. You're going to see that one of the things about the tabernacle is it was still restricted. There was still a lot of restriction about who can encounter God, who can experience God. You know, but it's important to understand how it worked because without that foundation, you will never even understand some of the things being said in the New Testament. Some of the things, many of the things being said about us because they made references. You see, the Bible is a continuous story. All right? Uh, Bible is not, that's why you can't just cherry pick. Some people just go to a portion of the Bible and they start trying to make sense of it. You can't make sense of a portion of a, you know, of a series. What do you call series of play, you know? When it's uh, every week for a season, right? You know? You, if you just if you just watch one episode you can't make conclusion right you know you know and you stop watching and you just start casting yourself as an expert in the in the in the series you know in the show you know some people are like that they watch one or two shows and they want to talk about it but by the time they start talking people who watch the real show know they, are, they don't know what they're talking about all right you need to watch the old show and that's why it's good to understand the Bible is continuous. It's a continuous. So it's, it's important for us to understand the continuity of how God revealed himself. How did we get to where we are? Why does God say your body is the temple? What does it really mean? All right? You know, what is dwelling among us mean? All these things that we talk about, they mean a lot. And we're going to explore that over the next three weeks in the mighty name of Jesus. I hope... You know, you're blessed today. I hope you understand God's plan. And let us pray, you know, as we close. I just want us to stand up and thank the Lord. One thing we learned today is God's desire is to dwell among us. God's desire is for an intimate relationship with us. Can we thank God that as great, you know, let me tell you what that means. You know, Jesus told the disciples, I call you friend. I mean, that's huge. It's only a bigger person that can call a smaller person friend. You can just call anybody your friend, right? Jesus said that call. So God is saying, God says, I want to have a conversation with you. As great as he is, as mighty as he is, as, you know, glorious as he is he still desires a personal relationship with you can you just say lord i thank you because you want a relationship with me i want you to just pray and say lord thank you lord thank you thank you thank you thank you, thank you. because you desire an, a relationship with me you desire an intimate relationship that is your heart and I thank you for that. I thank you for that. I also desire a relationship. I also desire it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We also learned something today that sin, the goal of the enemy is to disrupt that relationship, right? By using sin. And sin is not just what we do, no. What we do really that we call sin. They are manifestation of sin. The real sin, right, is rejection of God. The real sin is, I know it more than God. I know how to run my life. I don't need God. Why do I need to, God to tell me how to be rich, to tell me how to live, to tell me how to relate with my husband? Why do I need God to, to tell me how to do things, how to relate with my wife, how to treat my friends, how to do, why do I, some people even are so stupid, they said, do, why, do God, why does God need to tell me how to do church? I'm like, did you create church? God, see, so, so that is sin, that's the root of sin and that must be confronted you know on before we can truly experience god hallelujah i want you to say lord forgive me of my sin see my sin of rejection of you rejection of your way rejection of your principle my inordinate desire to just live apart from you because it's locking in every one of us you know my secret desire to live my life apart from you to create my own rule To create my own plan without you, without consulting you, without involving you. Everywhere I have done that, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Because doing that disrupts my relationship. Doing that, you know, cut me away from you. So, Father, just forgive me, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The ultimate sin, however, is rejection of Jesus. If you have not accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you are here, or you are watching me, wow, that is ultimately what we are going to be judged by. What did we do with Jesus? I want to let you know that Jesus died for you. For you. Jesus was buried for you. But praise God, on the third day, He rose again for you. He conquered sin, He conquered death for you. And that same jesus is coming back to judge the world and whatever you do with him today determine how you are judged when you come back so if you are yet to receive jesus and you want to say pastor i need to make it right with god i need to make it right with god i like you to just raise up your right hand and i will pray for you if you're in the congregation raise up your right hand anyone here and if you're watching me I want you to raise up your right hand as well as I pray. And I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say, Father, I thank you because you love me, because you care for me. And today I'm sorry that I've not responded adequately and correctly. And so today I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I ask, Lord, you forgive me. You cleanse me. You wash me. I declare with my mouth that Jesus died for me, that He was buried, and He rose the third day because of me. I thank you, and I ask for you for grace to live the Christian life in Jesus name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, I want you to know that you have made a very, very important decision of your life. I want you to fill out a form. I want you to go to the link agapehousenj.org slash connect, whether you are here or you're watching. If you're watching from home or from wherever, that link is on the platform. Click it and fill it up, you know, and you are able to let us know that you made a decision. If you are worshiping with us for the first time, use the same link to tell us about your name and your informa- some information about you so we can be in contact with you. Father, we thank you today for your word. We pray your word will not return to you void, but your word will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent in every single life today. And our lives will never remain the same. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. God bless you. and. Uh,